So, I am going to launch in today into a series that uh, I introduced last week. I'm calling it Go Eat Popcorn. And I'm doing that because we're going to work through together four letters in the Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And Go Eat Popcorn is a sort of a mnemonic to help you remember those letters. And I want to encourage you to read through those, uh, those books over the entire course of this series and to keep sort of reading through them. One of the things that I said in the introduction last week is what I hope to see throughout these letters. Uh, there's so many amazing foundational truths to this life that you, you need to be aware of because they, they will shape uh, and impact everything you do. But one of the main things was that the way that we live this life is in response to what He has done for us, not us trying to live in a way to get Him to respond to us. And that's significant that you, you sort of let that work through you in the weeks ahead and how different that looks um, in our life. And I also am hoping to sort of encourage you to do a little Bible reading technique I use. I talked about it last week, sort of laid the foundation for that. I call it illuminated reading. We, we looked at the scriptures about how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us last week and teaches us. And um, when you sit down to read, I just say a quick prayer that says, Holy Spirit, would you show me today what you want me to see in your word? And, and then you begin to read. And things will pop out of the Bible for that day. It's, it's how it, it works. And uh, I've been doing this for years. And then when something sort of pops out at you, take some time to think about it during that next day or days or week or whatever it looks like and just kind of run through it. What's, what's that all about? What does that passage mean? What does that scripture mean? You know, you can use Google as a resource. You can use Bible commentaries. You can talk to somebody and pray about it, all those things, work through it. And what I'm going to do is just kind of take some time as I read and whatever's popping out at me, I'll share with you over the week because the, these letters are filled with truths that change everything. And, and so what makes it very, very practical is that when we get a hold of some of these concepts from the Bible, it will impact your day-to-day life in significant ways. And, and you know, God's heart for you is that you have the most amazing life that you can have now and forever. It's a uh, Jesus said that he came to give us full and abundant life. And so it's a now and forever thing. And there's a fullness to it. There's, a, there's an adventure to it. There's a, there's a joy to it. Even in the hard stuff that we face, that happens as we grasp what Paul is trying to teach us in these letters um, written you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be looking at some concepts like that. And we'll be in Galatians 1 today. Uh, that's the intro. Bad joke or two. Somebody asked me if I could make a pun about the number one, and I said, well, okay, fine, but only if I have to. (laughs) That's why I call them bad jokes. Oh, I got a new side job, digging holes to look for water. It is, well, boring. I know. I got, you know, my favorite response is wow. So just let you know. I got offered an amazing deal today. Someone offered to sell me a stereo with a broken volume knob. I I couldn't turn it down. (laughs) Scripture reading. Galatians chapter 1, 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins 
to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, as I was reading that passage, the verse that popped out to me, and all of those are important, don't get me wrong, but the verse that really popped out to me this week was verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. And so I want to dig into that with you over these few minutes and talk about there's an amazing principle in here that we need to understand. And I, I get to it fairly often. It's the idea that we live in tension. And, and so we, we live in this tension and we don't like living in tension. We want to resolve tension. But there is some tension that's made for us to live in. And when we embrace the tension, we experience life. I, I will say that you will find Jesus more often in the tension of life than in anywhere else. And so we need to understand that it exists. So where does this tension exist? Well, point number one in your notes is, is I'm going to talk about this present evil age. The present evil age. Because that's what that verse said, that we're living in uh, an evil age. Now... Some translations, for years and years and years, that was generally translated evil world. And, and so it was evil world and a world to come, which confused, I think, the way a lot of people looked at this because they, they thought that we were talking about an evil world situation. But the, the actual word in the Greek is ion is far better translated there, age. It's about a time period um, and not the world. The, the general translation for the world, that the word for world is cosmos which makes more sense. Like, for God so loved the world, it's the world cosmos. And so this should be translated the way I read it, this present evil age. So we're dealing with an evil age, not an evil world. So when Paul says things like this in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, the little g God, make sure you saw there's a little g there, the little g God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you've been with us for any length of time, I tell you, that's what our enemy is trying to do. He's trying to keep people in darkness. He doesn't want them to see the light of the kingdom of God, which can bring them into life and freedom forever and ever. So he's doing everything he can to keep them in this place of not seeing the truth of what Jesus has come to do. And so that verse tells us that this entire age has taken on the character of the enemy, the evil one. And um, because of the fall, remember everything was created perfect and then the fall happens. We've looked at that a lot. That, that was the, the, the age became evil from that point. And all of us have continued to go our own way. And the way it works is that, that the evil one has been permitted by God to rule over anyone that has not submitted to God through what Jesus has done on the cross and that's through the duration of this age. So uh, it's very imperative that you get this idea. Some people are still trapped in that darkness by default, not because they've chosen it, but because they haven't chosen the way out, which is in Christ. Remember last week we introduced the idea of the atoning work of Jesus, why he's come at all and what he's done for us on the cross. So this present age is evil, and it's reflected by the little g God of this age, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. As for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, that's cosmos, and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's the evil one at work in this present evil age. Now, this present evil age is in direct conflict with another age that the Bible tells us about, and that's known as the age to come. 
And this concept runs throughout the entire Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament, they believed that evil age and a messianic age, and we understand it as, um, you know, when Jesus returns for us. So there's the age to come. That's point number two. Paul says in Ephesians 1.21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That age to come um, will be the restoration of everything that happened in the fall. Everything will be renewed and restored. All of the consequences of the fall will be taken care of uh, in the coming age. Mark says in Mark 10, 29 and 30, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. So, so the age to come is the age when everything is restored and brought back into the way that God intended at the creation. When will that happen? Matthew 24, 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and in the end of the age. So the disciples understood that this new age, this age to come, this age to come will happen when Jesus returns. And they wanted to know what they should be looking for. So the age to come that I'm talking about, this amazing return of everything, is a future event. Great news for the future, but what about right now? And that's when we get back to the verse that I'm talking about. Uh, 1-4, Galatians 1-4. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So how does he rescue us from the present evil age? And what happens is he rescues us by this event. When Jesus came the first time, the power of the age to come penetrated this evil age. And it made an impact. When Jesus came the first time, he came. Remember what he did? He born miraculously. We just celebrated that Christmas leading up to Easter where he gave himself for us, died, defeated death, rose again. The, the, that uh, coming was, the first coming was the inauguration of the kingdom. And so it's here in part. But it's not fully here until he comes back. So it's, it's here, but not fully here. That's the tension that we have to understand and live in because it changes everything then about the way that we understand the Bible. So the, the kingdom, the power of the age to come is broken into the now. In, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 6, 5, we have tasted, talking of believers, the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. We've tasted them. So we've gotten a taste in what Jesus has done. And we get continual taste because the, the power of the age to come continuously breaks through into the now in some ways. But I always think about this. When I was a kid, my parents would entertain and when they were going to have people over, my mom would make food that she didn't normally make. She was a good cook, don't be wrong, but this other food came out of nowhere. And uh, <laughs> like these fancy meatballs that we never saw and Things wrapped in bacon. It's like anything's good like that, right? It's got bacon on it. I want as many as I can have. Well, we, we, didn't, we weren't allowed to eat those. When she was busy cooking, it'd be like, here's a can of SpaghettiOs. There you go. And uh, <laughs> But she would usually allow a sample to be had. So it wasn't like we got to go sit out in the banquet where you could have all you want, but you got a taste. 
And a taste was a good thing, and a taste was very real. See, a taste was more than a promise. It wasn't just like you can have that when you get older at some point in the future. It was a taste, see? So, so because of what Jesus has done, we taste the age to come breaking in all the time. And it changes everything in the way that we live life. And so that, the power of the age to come breaks through at different times in our lives and we get to experience and it's an amazing, amazing thing. So we're living in this tension between the two ages. So we call that the now and the not yet just to give it some language. It's the now and the not yet. And this tension runs throughout the Bible and if you don't see it, you're, you're going to have trouble with Scripture because this, this tension exists in the Scripture. And culturally, we don't do very well with tension. We want bottom line. Bottom line it for me. Is it this or is it this? And in the Bible, some things are definitely this or this in the Bible, but there's a lot of areas that are, have this tension to it. Like um, all, uh, people would say to me, well, is the Bible the Word of God or was it written by people? And I say, yes. <laughs> and they don't like that answer. Both. It's not either or. It's and in both. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, people wrote the Scripture. It's still the Word of God. Was Jesus fully God or was Jesus fully man? Yes. That will make people crazy. But it's yes. It's both. We have, oh, no, it can't. Yes, it can be. Um, uh, is, is it God who builds His church? Absolutely. The Scripture says so. I will build my church. And yet, He uses people to do it. If we just sat back... Did you get it? There's a tension that exists in the Scripture, and, and we live in this tension, but we don't care for it. And, and so we have a tendency to get on one edge or the other. And so if, if you live in, and, and you can't embrace the tension, you'll, you'll get either to that not yet side, which is everything is in the sweet by and by, and we just have to endure, and we're not going to see anything, and none of the power of God is breaking through yet, but one day. Or we live on this other side where, oh, everything should be happening now, but the problem is if we don't see everything happening now, we've got to find someone to blame because it can't be God. So we start picking on people and we start criticizing. We start telling them, you're not living right and that's why you're not experiencing this. But the reality is we're in a tension. And so we see amazing things happening. Do you remember I, I shared my, my story last week with you when I had that accident on the power plant and how somebody helped me out of that supernaturally. That was a, a breakthrough of the power of the age to come that broke through. Does that happen all the time? No. I, have, I hurt my knee earlier this year and it didn't go away. I had to have surgery. Uh, it was, I'm glad it was, it's much better now, but, but you know, and I prayed like crazy. I got it. And I had everywhere I went, I had people praying for me. Would you pray for my knee? We went to conferences and stuff. And I know people that have great, said, would you pray for my knee? Uh, sure. People laying hands, they, they, they like wash my feet. All kinds of stuff was going on, that, which is a little uncomfortable. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> Nothing. The doctor fixed it. Praise God. But, but, you know, I, I was, I, because I've seen things happen, I've seen the power break through. I've seen people miraculously touched and healed and changed and right in front of my face. And at the same time, I've prayed desperately for people who are going through things and not seen anything happen. And, and if I don't have a, a theology that allows me to live that intention, I'll get off the rails. And what it is, is God is still always God. It doesn't always go the way I want, but He's always present. He's always there. So I pray for people to be healed. I believe in miracles. And I don't have to beat up on them if we don't see what we want to see. We just got to love them and encourage them, embrace them. See, it's, it's tension. We're, we're in process. And if you, if you don't approach the Scripture with that, you, you tend to either get complacent or you get mean. And we, we lose our ability to impact the world around us because they don't need that. 
They need to know the hope and they need to the joy. They need to see the life that's coming in us because God is in this tension and it's amazing. There's no life like this. And so we have to experience that in Him. Now, we get caught. So this, think of that, hold this tension and think about this verse. This is so cool. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, if you've never put this together. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed. So you heard the gospel, which we talk about here all the time. You, you embraced the atoning work of Jesus Christ. You, you asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And, and so you believed, and that was good, the gospel of your salvation. You were saved. When that happened, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now this next verse. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Do you get the idea of a deposit? Have you ever put a deposit on something? Uh, or has someone ever given you a deposit and, and then they were going to follow through with the rest of it later? A deposit's a pretty amazing thing. It's a deposit. You, you try to get a deposit back, it ain't coming. <laughs> You're given a deposit. It's the Holy Spirit. So think about this. It's a deposit on your inheritance. He is a deposit on your inheritance. What an amazing deposit. First off, the Holy Spirit. God... Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in us. Wow, if that was it for the deposit, that's all, that'd be amazing. But it's not. He's a deposit of the inheritance that's to come. So that you know that there's more coming, He's given us the Holy Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit is at work in you, and He's doing all sorts of amazing things, and your life is changing. I hope, Alice and I have been, been walking this walk now for 32 years. We got saved when we were four. So, um... Ministries made me look like this. I'm sorry. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that he changes us. Life-changing power is at work. I'm also very much aware of the fact that he's not finished yet. Because I, I know, I'm honest, there's a lot of things in me that need to be still taken care of. But he's at work. And so I understand that I'm in process. And one of the things that you get when you live in tension and you realize in process, now you can have a lot of grace and mercy and love for other people that are in process. Just because they're not where you expect them to be or you're trying to push them into or whatever it is, you can step back and you can love them in a different way because they're in process like you are. They might not be where you are and they might be better places than you are, but we're all in process. And Paul wants us to get that so we love well. And, and, and then we become a church that's loving people well, loving them where they're at, knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to change them forever. And so we, we live in this amazing tension. And when we get a hold of what's taking place in this, it's fascinating because what it does for us is it helps us to get this. This tension's not going away. But when we learn from it, point number four happens. The promises of the not yet are the foundation for living in the now. All of the promises of the Bible, all of the things that he's told us are the foundation for how we live now. Even though we're, we're living in tension, we live like that. It changes us. So the illustration that I have, I hope it helps. helps. Um, I've shared it with you once before, but it's just powerful, I think, in, in the way that it helps us see. So it's January. Over the next few months, high school seniors will be applying to colleges. It's part of the process. And... They're going to try and get into a university. A lot of them. Not all of them will. Some of them do other things. That's fine. But they'll be applying to university. And they're, they're hoping that they get an acceptance letter to the college they really want to go to. If they get that letter, it automatically, almost immediately begins to change the way that they live. 
Now, they could still be in high school and still doing their same thing, but now they got this letter that says they're going to the University of whatever. And they take that letter, and guess what? Now they're a student at that university. They got it because it's a promise of something, and they change. They get T-shirts that say that, and the sweatshirts. They buy all this stuff, and they get all excited because I'm going there. What's going to happen starts impacting them right now. Well, see, that's what's true with us. What's going to happen starts impacting us in the moment, in the now. The, the, you know, the, when you read this book, you, you find out there's a whole lot of things in here, and you think how he wants us to live. And it's not a rule-based thing or a performance thing. It's how he wants us to live. How are we supposed to get there? Well, the way that we get there is we realize that because the future is already settled, it impacts how we're doing now. We're we're going to change because he's with us and for us. We don't have to earn anything, but because of what he's already done, we can allow him to work in us to bring those changes about. And it frees us. You know, Paul says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He started it. He's going to continue until he comes back. We're going to live in the tension, and it's amazing tension. Be people that embrace tension. Be people that understand that we're in process so that we can love people well and make a difference in the world around us. Um, think about this stuff during this week. This is a, one of those things that... that even if it maybe doesn't seem that interesting as you hear it, ponder it for a while because it really will change the way that you see the Bible. It allows things to all fit together. It's a life-changing foundational truth that you need to have. You're a people in tension. You're the people of the now and the not yet. And it's an amazing place to live in Christ. So think about that this week and then we're going to dig back in. I got some, something else in Galatians 1 I want to share with you next week. But that's good for... Today, ministry team, on you head over to the wall. People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group. Then we'll dismiss. Have breakfast. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. You are such an awesome God. Thank you for this life that you give us, a life of adventure, a life of, of joy and peace. And, and even in the midst of living in a fallen world on a broken planet, you're with us. You're for us and you love us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, let that change us. And not only change us, but impact the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. Let hundreds and thousands of people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. The power of the age to come can break through at any moment into the now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. You could pray a prayer, a simple prayer, he'll get it, or you can go and ask somebody, I want to know Jesus. They'll help you. 
So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have second breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God. You are awesome. Praise God from whom all blessings. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage.